This, This is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. Time for another inspirational quote. Be happy. Be inspired. Don't let anyone make you feel like you're not good enough, smart enough, or cool enough. Do your own thing. Benji Madden. This, This is Yawa Radio. Radio. Oh, welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Uh, now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Yawa Radio. Welcome to The Silence here on Yawa Radio with me, Emma-Jane Taylor. The Silence is a chat show focused only on child sex abuse and the difficulties around this conversation with voices from all over the world. The purpose of each show is to share uncomfortable conversations that many would prefer not to hear of and to bring out from under the rug the difficulties that many are facing. These conversations are uncomfortable. Uh, they are uncomfortable for so many reasons, but more importantly, the secrets around this conversation should never be the child's. And this is something that I and my team here are keen to share in, in a hope that we can support the millions of people struggling in silence. So joining me as always is my resident therapist, Sally Baker, and of course, my resident poet, Michael Borton. Both bring their expertise and passion to this conversation, which of course needs a lot of love and protection. So let's get on with today's show. Today, I am proud to introduce you to my guest panel, Lauren Eden-Penn and Phil Goldstein. Great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to go straight to Sally as a, as a bit of a catch up, really, because it's been such a busy month since we sort of last came on air uh, and, the sh and the conversation continues to develop. I mean, there's never a day where you can't have a conversation about child sex abuse, is there, Sally? There is never a, a time when we can't. And also it's been very prevalent in the media, specifically this month with the release on Netflix of the two part documentary about Jimmy Savile. So that has been triggering for lots of survivors that I've worked with in the past and I've been reached out to by lots of um, people from the this adult survivor community who, who really struggled with the documentary, to be honest, and really, really struggled with their own personal triggers from it. So it's, it's been very much at the foremost of my mind this month in particular, yeah. And actually, you know, I know you and I have talked about it. I haven't yet been able to watch the Jimmy no. Savile documentary. I still can't get through the Epstein documentary. And it's not because I don't want to. I'm doing it in uh, safe bite-sized chunks that I can manage sure. because, like you say, it can be very triggering, can't it? And the other big media story this month has been, whether you're a royalist or not a royalist, the idea that um, Prince Andrew took the Queen's arm Uh, as she uh, leading her into Westminster Abbey for the memorial service for Prince Philip caused huge consternation within the survivor community because it really felt as though money, privilege was again silencing the voices of survivors. And it went, it, people are really hurt mm. and astounded and confused that the Queen would have given him such a prominent role. I understand that was his father, he needed to be at the memorial service, but did he need to have 
such a prominent role to play. And it felt like her accepting him almost back into the fold. And I think this is, again, another conversation that I'm really keen to have. It's speaking to the loved ones of perpetrators, because that ultimately, like you say, she is his mum. She's not the queen at that point. She is his mum and that's his father. And so the difficulties around that must be huge. And um, we will sort of continue that conversation with Lauren because of the, her situation, you know, yeah. that love and that unconditional love is how do you how do you manage that and I think you're right Sally you know the world needed to see uh, a stance on this conversation and at that point and at that time they really didn't and that's fireworks isn't it for this conversation it's emotional fireworks because these are these can be raw open wounds that people are still living with mm. and, and they feel that they're not being acknowledged and it's it's very sad I'm very massively sad triggering massively triggering well look as always great to have you with me here on today's show thank you very much um i'm thank going to come you. to michael now hi michael great to have you with me um on this show great to see you again uh child sex abuse as an ally continues to grow in your world as well doesn't it oh absolutely and it's interesting what you were talking about there because i too watched the documentary on jimmy savile and and a comment again about vince andrew Part of me, and we spoke on, on programmes in the past about comments that came from the Prime Minister at the time, which were, which were negative, but actually helped us continue to raise the profile. So the very fact that that happened has allowed us to turn around and say, hello there, you cannot forget us, we are still here. And that is whether you are a, a, um, a victim or an ally or just someone that believes strongly in this, this the business where there appears to be privileged to allow people to get away with things. So I'd, it's about, and it's something you mentioned right at the beginning about turning things into positives. This is not an easy subject. This is a very difficult subject. It's very sensitive, but somehow we need to turn it into something positive as our action is a positive action. And that by turning around and saying, look what happened with Prince Andrew has allowed us to keep our profile up there in terms of saying, this is unacceptable. I think also while we're on recent news, you know, I have uh, I have a big beer in my bonnet about Crispin Blunt, Sally, uh, MP, who has um, really done himself no favours or the political world or this conversation by supporting a, a convicted child sex abuser who was a political uh, man and an MP. And uh, he stood with him on this conversation and supported him when the allegations came in. Massively offensive, no support for child sex abuse. He's retracted the statement, but in retracting it, all they seem to have done, both of them, is focus on themselves, not of the, the victim, the survivor, the who was 15, who's obviously older now. There was no nothing really, there were nothing really about him and and how he might have been feeling through this. It's, for me, appalling. And no apologies. Mm. It's, it's, it feels that, that, that hubris, that we're bigger than gods and we can get away with whatever we wanted to do and say and being dismissive of, of ordinary, the, the little people. We're hearing it time and time again now and um, it leaves in its wake so much harm. It, it's unfortunate, really, really unfortunate. 
Uh, and a, a very stale taste. Well, I have got a lot to say about that, which I continue to say in some of the articles I'm writing and some of the work that I'm doing. Um, and I will be joining Sonia Poulton this week to talk about it um, on her platform. Okay, well, look, let's, uh, let me introduce you to my guest today. I'm going to come to Lauren. Uh, Lauren, uh, great to have you with us here today. Lauren, I know you've gone through a very harrowing story. It's been in the national press, and uh, it's only recently for you that you have shared your story. Um, and thank you very much for doing that, because I know how difficult it would have been for you to have done that. I have spoken to you privately offline and supported, um, supported you with this because... It's important for you to get this out there um, and to help other people. But your story, Lauren, is, is, it just has a different twist. So let's just hear a little bit from you, Lauren. Um, so yeah, I experienced child sexual abuse when I was a teenager from the ages of 14 to 15. Um, and it was at the hands of my dad, who was also HIV positive. Um, and he did like serve time in prison for that. Um, but his sentence is actually like concluding this month, um, which has made it quite prominent at the moment for me. And how are you feeling about first? Of, first of all, how are you? Um, like it's been like since everything has kind of been in the press and everything, it has been quite overwhelming. Um, but I think in like a mainly positive way, like the feedback and response to it has all been really positive um it's just quite like um overwhelming to the amount of response from people who have been like thank you for sharing this like this has happened to me and sharing their stories it's nice to know you're not alone but also it's horrible to realize how not alone you actually are and how common these things actually can be it's so complex, isn't it, Laura? You know, I remember being at uh, quite a, 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 a big gala posh dinner uh, a few years ago when I first started coming out with my story. And I was sat next to someone very senior in the Metropolitan Police. And he said to me, I bet you thought you were the only one in the world who'd gone through child sex abuse. And I said, yeah, I actually did. I had no appreciation for the, the absolute zillions of people who are suffering in silence from this crime and struggling to get their voice out there because we just feel so alone and isolated and you've got shame and fear and embarrassment attached to that as well. Mm. Um, and it's very dark and very complex. Um, so, you know, you have talked about it. It is your father uh, who abused you. Um, you aren't, you don't have HIV, thank goodness um and he has served his time him coming out very similarly how is that affecting you now Lauren um he's got a SOPO in place so he can't even when his sentence finishes like he can't contact me directly or indirectly which is quite kind of reassuring but I was always under the impression that that meant he couldn't live in the same area as me but I've recently found out that that's not the case. So that's kind of caused a lot of anxiety because for all I know, he could move back to the area that I live in. And although he might not be able to speak to me, there's nothing stopping him kind of just lurking around in like places public. Um, so that's quite been like quite challenging stressful I mean I feel I feel anxious for you you know it, how can this be right Sally you know 
survivors like Lauren, who've gone through just a very traumatic time, obviously a very worrying time as well with the fact her father was HIV and he's coming out, can now live in the same town, maybe not directly have contact with Lauren, but Lauren could see him at any corner. This is a this is again another conversation which we'll have to engage with on this show. But yeah. you know, the release of sexual offenders back into communities, back into the community where the, the their victims survive, you know, their, their victims are again shouldn't really be happening, should it? It shouldn't be happening. And I think Lauren Eden's words where you said, I've just found out that actually with that order in place, it doesn't mean he can't move into my locality. It just feels like another failing of the police liaison, police welfare. Like, why aren't you told from the beginning everything that it encompasses um, and everything you need to know so that you can you can at least be pre-armed, pre-warned? And it, and it feels like those services that are there supposedly to uphold the needs of survivors fail us all the time really really there's a lot there's a huge amount of work to be done by institutions in their duty of care and we see it time and time again that people are let down you needed to know lauren you need you needed to know a long time ago that that was a possibility Mm. and i mean of course you'll always be able to go back to the authorities and and plead again about any kind of behavior that he does that is is designed to distress you or to connect with you in any way but it's it's not it's not ideal by a long shot gosh I mean you know it's all sorts of questions racing through my head and you know yes why didn't you know why aren't you getting the support why aren't you getting a team coming around to make sure that you're okay you know and they'll all say there's no time resources or anything available to this but there absolutely should be Mm. you should be treated much better than you are given what you've gone through, what this whole conversation means, and the fact that your your father, who has been in prison for eight years, is now coming out. Have you had any restorative um, work with him, Lauren? Um, I'm in the process of applying for it at the moment. Um, Again, that was something I tried to do when I was 18, I think it was. Um, And I kind of never never had any like actual phone calls with any police or anything I just got a one sentence at the end of like a letter saying restorative justice has been applied for this has been denied like no reason given for it nothing Mm. um just got told no I mean just so outrageous and you know you're having to do so much of the legwork (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is just ironic for me I mean you really shouldn't be and what about um what do you want from the restorative justice Lauren um I think in my case um I never came out about what had happened to me it was my mum who found out um so when he was taken into custody and everything it really happened like quite suddenly like one moment I was on the phone to him on my lunch break from work and the next minute like he was arrested I think that in itself was quite traumatic for me because although what happened was awful it's quite conflicting in the fact that he was still my dad and I never got the chance to say goodbye or anything like that um and as well just the tons of kind of unanswered questions you have like towards them like why why would you do that like what was going through your head I think it will just 
if he agrees to it, it will provide some sort of closure, I think. And closure is really important. And uh, look, well, good luck with all of that, Lauren. Thank you for joining us today to talk um, about child sex abuse, your story. And obviously we're going to be talking about how creativity has been a, a big part of your life as well. Um, I'm going to come uh, to you, Mike, before I go to Phil. You know, you're sitting here, here we're all sitting here hearing just such a raw, um, uh, just a raw story. You know, how, how, how are you, Mike, as an ally, feeling about this? Does it make you feel super uncomfortable? Does it make you feel like breaking down in tears? Does it make you feel angry? Um, a disappointment is one of the first things that comes to mind. Disappointment that uh, uh, on the 19th of April in 2022, we still have a system that is, seems to be counterintuitive and not supportive of Lauren and going, how on earth could this happen? Uh, and that, that the restorative justice in terms of location, all those things should be embedded. And, I, I, and so not only this one, I can't understand it uh, because... I, Laura and I, I'm not sharing the trauma, but I can feel it. There's no doubt about that. And just um, also the complexity of the fact that, as you said, I mean, I had an awful relationship with my father. Uh, it wasn't a, an abusive, as in sexual abusive, but it was an abusive relationship with my father. But he was my dad. And I still loved him in a, in a strange and bizarre way. So when you throw all that into the pot and then you have a, a, a system that doesn't support you, even though the case is proven, everything's been done, it should be there to say, what do you want? What's going to make you happy? Not what everyone else wants for convenience sake. Yes. Well, look... Thank you, Lauren. Uh, thank you, Phil. Uh, thank you, Mike. So, um, Phil. Phil join, joins us as a survivor of child sex abuse. Um, he has his own story, and uh, again, it was a family uh, family member who abused Phil. So, let's just hear a little bit from Phil. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse. Um, my older brother sexually abused me from the time I was 10 to about 12 and a half. And it's something that, like a lot of other survivors, I never told anybody about for a really long time. Um, wasn't until I was uh, 30 that I told another person about what had happened, um, which happened to be uh, a therapist who was the first therapist who I ever spoke with. Um, my then girlfriend, now wife, really um, pushed me to seek out therapy um, because we were having a lot of problems in our relationship around sex and intimacy. Um, and I had never really consciously put two and two together, um, even though it was something that had affected my relationships with other women in the past. Um, and yeah, um, you know, from there, it really kind of um, transformed my life. You know, I wound up telling my then girlfriend, now wife, Jenny, um, I told um, friends, family members, I eventually told my parents um, who were very shocked um, and 
had no idea that this had happened. Um, and, you know, I think that ultimately what I decided to do was um, really kind of try and process what had happened to me and what I was feeling um, into my creative writing, um, which I've done. Um, I write poetry um, and I've just had a book published uh, called How to Bury a Boy at Sea. Um, and it's a book of poetry about reckoning with the trauma of this and how it kind of can ripple out into someone's life. Um, and, you know, there's, there's obviously lots of uh, pain and, and, and sorrow there, but I think there's also a lot of um, healing and hope and the understanding that you can, um, you know, find and achieve happiness um, and, and some measure of peace. Wow, thank you, Phil, um, for sharing that with us. Um, you, 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 you are on a continued journey, aren't you, with this, this conversation? All of us are. There's, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's ever really an end, is there, Phil, do you think? No, you know, and I think it's important to kind of underline that, that, you know, healing from the trauma of child sexual abuse is um, a ongoing, nonlinear process, you know, and there's steps forward and sometimes steps back. And it's, it's never really um, fully over. Um, it's, it's evolving, you know, uh, the way that I feel about what happened to me now is, is vastly different from the way that I felt about it four years ago and two years ago and one year ago. Um, and I'm sure it will be different, you know, a year from now. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that as more time has gone on, I've gotten more comfortable talking about it and trying to um, use my voice in a way that will help other survivors, especially men, uh, feel less alone and, and more understood and more comfortable, hopefully, sharing their story with someone who they trust. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely harder for guys. I've seen that with the that I'm doing. Um, but, you know, I think even though it's ongoing and, you know, I think personally, I believe this, 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 this is ingrained, right? This is our life. This is our normal. What I would like to say is through the healing, through the trauma, there is the healing. And from the healing, there can be so much that um, survivors can do, as you are, Lauren and Phil, myself and Sally, that can help onwards with this conversation to help make a change, to help maybe change the archaic system, the laws around um, prisoners, you know, offenders being released back into communities where their victims are, about, uh, you know, the high, high media cases supporting offenders before the case has even gone to court. We are changing the dynamic of the conversation. So it's a continual part of our life, but let's look at it as a, a constructive continuation that can help other people but obviously we need to heal first Sally and you know I do think the healing comes before anything you know there's absolutely not in a cat and hell's chance I could have done this 20 years ago I needed to heal I needed that you know I needed to lean into therapy and 
and have someone to talk to to help me through before I even put my toe into helping anybody else. And that's really important to say. It is really important to say. And also what Phil said about healing is ongoing and nonlinear. It's so important to recognize that for every step forward or two or three steps forward, we may experience odd dips, triggers that come out and just take us by surprise. And they're not failings. They're, they're just, it's more information. It's, it's more stuff that needs to be resolved and, and released. Um, and sometimes when my clients become very despondent that they're re-triggered or they return to old patterns of behavior to compensate for, for being triggered, treat it like new information, treat it like, okay, that's come up now and that's okay that it's come up because it means we can look at it and we can work on it and, and you can let it go. Mm. So none, it isn't linear and none, whatever journey we take, none of it is failure. It's, it's, everyone's been through horrific experiences that should never have happened to them that they never asked for and finding your voice and feeling less alone by having these conversations is a vital part of recovery. Mm, really important so um thank you sally thanks everybody we're going to take a short break now don't go anywhere we will be back after this with inspirational guests from around the world inspirational quotes the inspirational book of the week the meditation hour the quiet zone and feel good music yawa radio is about well-being happiness and finding the beauty within enjoy be beautiful, be happy, be inspired. This is Yawa Radio. You're listening to Yawa Radio and we love to bring you details of the inspirational book of the week. Uh, this week, the book is Resilience, Find Your Inner Strength. It's by Rick Anson. It's a marvellous book. In this book, you can discover lasting happiness with 12 highly effective tools. Uh, Rick Anson is author of the New York Times bestselling Hardwiring Happiness. And in this book, he shows you how to build a strong foundation by harnessing the power of positive experiences to create an unshakable mental core. He demonstrates how to grow inner strength, mindfulness, confidence, motivation, leading to long-lasting happiness and internal peace. Uh, using the experience of 40 years of clinical work, he has created 12 practical strategies that enable you to develop a positive mindset and build resilience to help you face anything that life throws your way. It's a really lovely read. It's, uh, you can read it, spend some time at it, you can read it quite quick. I'm not a fantastic quick reader, but uh, this, well, I just couldn't put this book down. Uh, it's uh, four parts. Part one is all about recognising, includes compassion, mindfulness and learning. Uh, part two is about resourcing. Uh, it talks about grit, gratitude and confidence. Uh, part three, regulating calm, motivation, intimacy. And part four, relating. And that includes chapters on courage, aspiration and generosity. Uh, so once again, this week's inspirational book of the week is Resilience, Find Your Inner Strength. It's by Rick Hansen, who is also the best-selling author of Hardwiring Happiness. Hi, this is Carolyn from The Happiness Hour, where we increase the happiness in the world one story at a time. So please join us at 6pm on a Saturday and Tuesday 
Every week I interview a new guest. We hear about their life, how they're impacting the happiness in the world and also sharing some great tips. So join us at 6pm every Saturday and Tuesday. This is Yawa Radio. Okay, welcome back to the show. So I'm here today with my resident therapist, Sally Baker, my resident poet, Michael Borton, and today's guests, Lauren Eden-Penn and Phil Goldstein. Uh, We are talking about child sex abuse, the difficulties that my panel have gone through with their personal stories and very difficult personal stories today. But the purpose of the show is to continually air these conversations, to get them out, to help the many others struggling in silence. And of course, we were focusing today's show on creativity and how that can help survivors. Actually, it can help all sorts of uh, abuse stories, not not necessarily child sex abuse, but creativity is so important. As as an ex-professional dancer, uh, I know how that really enabled me as a young girl to express myself. So through the darkness, through the tears, through the pain, through the aggression I could get onto stage and smile actually and perform and I I kind of let it all out and that's something that's really important creativity being able to express yourself not an easy thing to do Sally when you are in such turmoil and I do know firsthand Sally that is very difficult it's hugely difficult but there's been a long history all the way through literature of and I'm thinking about D.H. Lawrence, who said one sheds one's sickness in books. And the art of writing, the process of writing, even journaling through to the highly kind of, um, you know, the economics of poetry and, and how much work and effort goes into choosing the right word and the, and the right pattern in poetry. Um, the, there is healing there. There is healing there through creativity and expressing ourselves. It's every way that people have to find their voice to break through the ignorance and if only ignorance kept people safe and it seriously (laughs) never has so whatever anyone does to find their voice and share their message it's really important okay well look uh we've got we've got a room full of creativity here because uh sally you do i know you work alongside a lot of performing arts spaces i do as well mike is a poet uh and a jolly good one as well he is uh (laughs) the casualpoet.com and he will share his poetry today with us lauren does lots of creativity with through her work with cards and um i bet i don't know what the best way to describe your work is lauren but it's lots you do uh cards and gift and stationery don't you um yeah i run my own small business doing like home decor prints and um i illustrate as well so like family portraits and um, pet portraits and like a whole load of different things really and do you think you know just having this conversation had you appreciated how helpful creativity had been to you as a young girl um I think so I've always been quite creative and liked like drawing and painting and stuff and it's just a little bit of an escape mm. to be able to put pen to paper get it out there well I've seen your work um Lauren is Loz 
loz.creates on Instagram. Um, so if you have a look at her, you'll see her work, which is uh, she always seems very busy. And you, obviously you've got all the big occasions coming up, which you work towards Mother's Day, Father's Day, celebrations throughout the Easter, Christmas. Um, how do you fit it in? Because you have a young family as well. You must be super busy <laughs> juggling all this and obviously juggling the reality of your life now um, with having your story out there. Do you have support around you, Lauren? um yeah like my partner's really supportive um and I think my kids just they keep me going even when like the mornings you don't want to necessarily get up and do stuff mm. like they're a reason to keep on going and I love what you said when you said uh you know you are what you are doing is to really make a difference on this conversation to help others find their voice and also to make your girls proud yeah. uh, and to give them the strength to understand what's what's right and wrong as they grow up so you know creativity Phil as a poet how beneficial has this poetry been to you as a survivor of child sex abuse oh enormously um, you know I've always been a writer I wrote a lot when I was um, a kid in fact I probably wrote my first poems during the time of the abuse when I was, um, you know, around 11. Um, but I think that the poetry that I've written now around this and, and reckoning with it has been tremendously cathartic and important. You know, it's run kind of in parallel to the work that I've done in therapy um, in terms of dealing with not just, you know, the abuse itself and the emotions that that evokes and the memories and, and what that brings up in me, but also, um, you know, what happened after I disclosed and the life that, um, you know, I've tried to build since then. Um, so it's, it's been tremendously important. I think that writing has always been the way that I best process things. And, and that was certainly true here. Funny, I didn't. I, I don't think I realised, you know, until more recently, how expressive uh, blogging writing has been to me as well. When I was a young girl, I do remember writing quite in depth, maybe not not about my personal life, but quite in depth articles and uh, conversations, maybe around how I was feeling or my pets or <laughs> dancing. Uh, but I remember they were bit, they were quite in depth. And when I wrote to people, they were in depth. You know, when I sent a Christmas card, it wasn't just you know, dear Mike, happy Christmas, love Emma, it, Jane. It was, hey Mike, how are you doing? Hope life's okay and uh, for you. And I and I sort of as I've sort of gone on, I've realised. I think that's a really big part of who I am is uh, indulging in conversation, whether it be via the phone. I like to pick up a phone and talk to people um, or in letters. And I think that's just me. It's just really, really helped me connect with people. Maybe I'm, I don't know if that sounds right or not, but I think that's how my connection works. Um, and so let me come to you, Mike, as a poet. Who, uh, who, you know, you write very, very real, open poetry about many subjects, very difficult subjects. Some of the subjects we've worked on in the past have been extremely difficult. Child sex abuse, uh, you know, equally difficult. Um, when you write, whether it's for this show or other work, where does it come from for you? Where does the um, raw emotion start? Um, 
some of it, some of it is obviously from life experiences. Some of it, I haven't got a Scoobies. And in other words, I don't know where it comes from. Uh, and I just put myself in the mindset. So the poem I wrote for today's show, I wrote 30 minutes before the show started uh, because I just put my head into where it is. And, and, and I, people are creative in so many different ways. What I think one of the wonderful things is, is something that, that, um, that Phil was saying, it's very cathartic for you as the person writing it. And I've written emotional poems that are connected to my life for all sorts of reasons, relationships, relations, and all of the things that they, and it's very cathartic for me. Having now put the poetry out there, and again, congratulations, Phil, on your first book. It's a great feeling. I remember that. It's just such a great thing to do. You then get feedback from people. So if in some small way, whether it be dance or conversation or, or home art or, or writing, someone is empowered and feels less alone. So that comment you made at the beginning, Emma-Jane, about thinking you were the only one out there. When you pick up someone else's work, and see, actually, I'm not alone. And there's an empathy you get. And that, even though you're not sitting next to them person, will make you feel less alone. And I say that from experience. And now I, I do five poems a week and I get feedback. Today's poem went out there, which is a conversation about a house is not a home until you're there. And, and the feedback from people was enormous. So you know that your creativity in everything you do is expressive and positive for you and for others as well, which makes it also worthwhile. And, you know, never one to, to look a gift horse in the mouth is, Lauren, I mean, you've, you, the work that you're doing around creativity and the support that you can give so many people, not just through your voice, but through your work and, in, and encouraging survivors of child sex abuse into your world with the creativeness. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, good that you can do there supporting people if you have any extra, any extra hours in your day to do so. But, you know, I'm sure you know, we would hugely support the work that you could do around that because this is very needed, isn't it, Lauren? Yeah, definitely. Um, not long after, like, my story had come out, I did a series of, like, positive kind of affirmation prints um, to raise some money for charity. Um, and, like, 100% of the profits from those prints go straight to... A charity called One in Four, which Amazing. Like support um, child sexual abuse victims, and the response to that was really, really great. Amazing! I'm sure there's so much, and and with you, Phil, the work that you're doing as well. You know, the poetry, the writing, the creativity. I think this is where the positive side comes into all of the work and voices we're doing. We can offer so much. We're here on the platform sharing a, sh a show on the Hour Radio. Sally works as a therapist, Mike is working as a poet, I very much work as a, as a writer and a blogger and an advocate on this conversation. Just keep pushing forward, giving what you can back, because this is so important, I believe, Sally, to the work that we're all doing. That creativity connects us on a, on a very deep human nature, the depths of human nature survivors people who've suffered great troubles and hearing other people's um 
contributions through their writing and through their work, it does, it's, it's a form of therapy, of course, and release for themselves. But as you said, it's, it's sending those ripples out, mm. connecting us, connect us to the wider people. Mm. That's true healing. You know, I'm no poet, but I have found poetry very helpful to my writing. You know, there's times where I might be doing a blog and I just can't get the words right. I can't get right what I want to say. And then I start thinking about that subject and then suddenly a poem will come and then I'll be like, oh, OK, that really supports my writing, my blogging and my my work um, that I do there. And I think that creativity, I can't maybe I should dance myself. I can't always dance my way through it. So it's been a really huge part for me and continues to be and something that I know is really important. Obviously, I work in the performing arts fields as well with some of my businesses, as do you, Sally. And, and so when I see young people coming in and being able to express themselves, being able to use creativity, we don't know what's gone on in children's lives when they come through our doors, but whatever there is, and it, and it might not always be child sex abuse, there are very difficult um, conversations for young people have to be having every day now. Uh, it really helps them. So uh, that's a great part of the work that everyone's doing. So well done to everybody here for the creativity that you're providing. Okay, Mike, I'm going to come to you because, you know, you have written a poem today um, and I think it's probably a good time for us to hear it. Yeah, you didn't tell me you had another poet on the program as well. Okay, no pressure then, Phil. Um, my poem is called Expression. It's so difficult to express sometimes the feelings you have inside. Words don't just flow and stumble out behind the screen we choose to hide. Somehow it's to break the silence, the silence in our head. It may not be words, but something else, something different instead. Try anything at all to express yourself. Let the burden of stigma break down. Pick up a brush or a pen or a bow. Let your love of life stop you frown. Painting a picture, brush in hand, blank paper, letting colors unfold. Whatever your brush strokes lead you, no restrictions to be told. And even if time is against you, it is still for you this time to explain how you feel in your own unique way. Anything you do will be fine. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Mike. Always great. Actually, just made me think when you were talking about the paintbrush there. If you gave me a, a canvas now and a paintbrush, what colours would I throw? And actually, maybe that would be, I know lots of people do do creativity in this way, painting and throwing colours up, but what colours would we use? Why would we use it? Would it be dramatic? I saw, saw a picture, actually, someone sent me a picture recently uh, of, uh, head exploding with color <laughs> and sometimes I think god that, that's my head <laughs> because there is so much going on in all of our lives how would we paint it what would what would we paint it with Mike I think that's just I think that's just it sometimes you don't know and and just let it go and, and an element of letting it go and being allowing yourself to be expressive becomes so much more than that. And, and you, you don't have to overanalyze it. It's just what it is. It gives you a sense of, of uh, freedom to be able to go, I'm not conditioned. I don't have to do what I'm told to do. This is the right thing for me at the moment. And I love that, what you're saying, the exploding head of color. I know that feeling. 
sometimes mm -hmm. in there, and I can't even begin to. Just, it's a bit like sometimes uh, if you look at the sky in the morning, and you colour it in. As a child, you'll colour it in blue, and of course, the last thing it is in the morning is blue, and the colours in your head can be so descriptive of how you feel your emotion. And when you painted lots of angry colours or gentle colours, you feel better. Mm. Uh, so I did some work on colours now. Yellow is a very calming colour for us and a great colour and green. Um, red can be quite dangerous, um, but it can be an alert colour as well, which is often very helpful. But colours mean so much. Blue, I think, is calming, but it also can be quite cold, can't it? Um, but anyway, yeah. look, creativity, creativity and colours. Now, you know, I think when we have this conversation, it's also, you know, really important to look at, you know, how we can be creative. And there's a book out called The Creative Therapies with Sexual Abuse Survivors by Stephanie Brooks. And this is a really useful reference for anyone seeking to provide any kind of uh, holistic approach therapy to survivors of child sex abuse, because it really does teach different ways to release the manifestations of the trauma that you are um, experiences so you know there's lots of work out there whether it be through the creative side like stationary creating arts drawing writing phil as an author finds the writing and the poetry very helpful to him but it's about using what you can. I am not an artist. I could draw you a picture, but you might not want to hang it on your wall. But I think I'd be very happy about it. And so actually, you know, maybe that's something we should all start doing more of is, is writing and drawing and getting really sort of whether you whether you want to show it to the world or not, you don't have to. But actually just getting it out there, Sally, getting it out of you. You know, I. I have a notepad sort of always close to me so I can get thoughts out, get them out, get them out. And they're there. They're out of my head. They're on the they're on the notepad. But actually, how can we now use creativity to support survivors of child sex abuse? One of the main inhibitions that people have about being creative is the negative judgmental voice in their head that says, oh, you know, it's never going to be any good or there's no point in me doing this. And um, Julia Cameron book, Julia Cameron's wonderful vintage book, now it's been out for a long time, called The Artist's Way, takes the reader on a journey into creativity. And she does these things called morning pages, which are a wonderful therapeutic tool for people starting out with journaling. And how that works is you write, as you wake up in the morning, you write three pages of, of whatever is in your head, stream of consciousness. It doesn't matter what you write, you just write three pages and then you just put it away. And the, the way that she turns down or turns off her inner creative, her inner judgmental voice is you don't read back whatever you write for six weeks. You just allow your subconscious mind to just offload, to just process and offload. And then after six weeks, you can take a look. But by then you'll be really into that. You'll be it's an addictive process of, of just starting the day, letting go of your thoughts, turning off the inner critic that everyone has and just allowing yourself to begin your own creative journey. So I, can, I can't recommend the artist's way more highly. I've worked with lots of clients taking them through the process and it's really joyous. Mm. And also um, 
that that just that performing getting on a stage dancing acting singing letting it out um you know when i when i used to do that myself as a child going through my difficulties of course i didn't know i was going through difficulties there and i think this is where these conversations are so skewed aren't they because as a child i didn't know that any of it was wrong but i loved to get on a stage and put on a tutu and have my hair done and my makeup done and do a dance and get a badge at the end and I loved that yeah. and uh, I was very yes and I was very fortunate because um my my young dancing career took off and but you know just through the work that I do now seeing children whether you're going to go on to be a professional performer or artist or poet or whatever being able to express yourself not with non-judgmental non-judgmental um criticism on you is something that we can all embrace. We can all help that. I'd like to say that I, I do that, but I do know just from what I see on social media, people can be so vile towards people about this stuff. And that's very, so for me, that's quite simple, block, delete, move on. What right does anyone have to be that offensive? You know, Phil, the work that you're doing as an author, uh, sorry, as, as a writer and as a poet, um, are you confident when you share it? Do you feel comfortable with what you're doing? Or do you, have you gone through that uncertainty yourself? Um, I think that initially uh, I was very wary of, of, of sharing things. But, you know, like I was saying, as, as time went on, um, I became more comfortable, more confident and, um, you know, more eager, honestly, to, to share my poetry and, and hopefully have it resonate with people. And I think that there's so many different residences that you can find, you know, when you and Mike were having the conversation around color, um, it brought to mind one of the poems in the book um, of, of mine that has a lot of different shifting of, of different landscapes and different colors. And, um, you know, I, I'm at a place now where um, I feel like the writing is so applicable to to every different kind of um, situation, and so I'm I'm very happy to share it, and it it gives me joy to to share it, and hopefully, um, you know, have it it resonate with people. Um, you know, Mike was mentioning earlier about kind of it going out into the world, and uh, a friend of mine who read the book, um, you know, just last week sent me a message and said, you know, this really struck a chord within me. And I was also abused when I was a child by a family member and I never told anybody. And I just wanted to thank you for, for writing this. And that was such a gut punch. And um, it, it's still kind of lingering with me and, and I'm trying to process it, but I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful, honestly, that um, the book was was able to to help unlock that in my friend. Um, and it's it's awful that that people keep this inside, but sometimes it takes watching or taking in art or reading or listening to something else from someone else to to have something unlocked within you. Yes, and it's that unlocking that we are trying to do, encouraging people to find their thing, whatever creative thing it is. Maybe it is 
poetry, maybe it's being creative with stationery, maybe it's writing a book, maybe it's, I don't know, painting. I, I've also done rock painting and I found that really helpful. There's a lot of creativity that we can do and maybe it's, it's something that we can all do, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, for us it's good and it's that good that we need to hold on to. So look, don't go anywhere. I'm going to take a quick break and I will be back with you, Mike, in two seconds. Don't go anywhere. Okay, let's go back. Mike, what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you? No, 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 not at all. Rock painting sounds amazing. I want to do it. What is it? What do you do? Just pick up a oh, rock? Oh, yeah, and you just get, just get a bunch of rocks from the beach and yeah. then bring them home and then you doodle on them. I've got ladybirds, I've got snails, I've got frogs. Well, they, in, they were supposed to be snails, frogs. They might not look like snail frogs and ladybirds, but they are. Look, we're coming up to the end of today's show. I can't believe it. We are fast and furiously coming, reaching the end. Now, if you want to contact Phil, you can find him on Twitter, Phil at, sorry, he's Phil um, at Phil Goldstein, which is G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N, Goldstein. He's at Phil Goldstein on Twitter. Uh, you can find out more about Phil and his work and his poetry. If you want to find Lauren, you'll find her on Instagram. She is loz.creates. There you will find uh, a, 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 a great big new world of stationery to enjoy. Um, and she would love to connect with you as well. So that's Lauren at loz.creates on Instagram. If you want to contact Mike, you can. He is Mike J.W. Borton on Twitter. And obviously you've got Sally, which who is on Twitter as Sally underscore therapist. We're coming to the end, Sally. Let's have a bit of a debrief about today's show. Another fascinating episode and my takeaways from Lauren Eden and what Lauren's shared with us today is, um, I'm going to start that again, so another fascinating show and what I, my takeaways from what Lauren Eden has shared with us today is how much legwork still in 2022 people have to put in, survivors have to put in, into their own infrastructure around their own safety and their own care. And, and what a travesty that is, and how um, survivors are continually let down by the welfare systems, the institutions that should be taking care of them and protecting them and putting their needs above and beyond the perpetrators. So that's that's an interesting highlight for us that things have not moved on that much and, they, and there needs to be more attention paid. Coming to Phil Goldstein, it's brilliant to read about the power of writing and power of art to transcend those spaces between us as individuals and to really, really resonate from your work to others and to move them and to make them get them to connect with you. So again, you know, talking about creativity, it's it has so much power to tr transcend us from our own silence from our own enclosed small worlds to allow us to reach out to the wider public. And that's what we should all be doing more of and turn that inner, create, inner critic voice off and just create, just create. Just create, which is Lauren's loz.creates. Thank you, everybody. It's been a great show. It's gone very quickly, as always. In fact, I think today's gone quicker than normal. <laughs> Thank you very much to my expert 
panel resident therapist Sally Baker, who is on Twitter at Sally uh, underscore therapist, and also to my resident poet Michael Borton, who's on Twitter at Mike J. Borton, and to my panelists today, Lauren Eden Penn and Phil Goldstein. You can find Lauren on Instagram, loz.creates, and Phil on Twitter at Phil Goldstein, which is uh, S T E I N if you're looking for him. Oh, thank you again. If you've been affected by anything in today's show, then please do get in touch with us. You can email uh, office at emmajanetaylor.com. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at EJTheMentor, where I will continue to talk very openly about this subject. And if necessary, signpost you on to Sally uh, or whoever you need to talk to. Big out, shout out today to Steve Twynham, my wonderful producer, and obviously my team here at Yawa Radio. And to all of my friends and network on social media for being the strong voices and hearts that you are wishing you all well and i will see you next time here on the silence bye guys a big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at yawa radio remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day seven days a week at yawaradio.com co.uk and if you'd like to join us a guest on yawa radio or as a guest on the yawa radio podcast we would love to hear from you simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk once again a big thank you for taking the time out to listen this is the yawa radio podcast copyright applies with inspirational guests from around the world, inspirational quotes, the inspirational book of the week, the meditation hour, the quiet zone, and feel-good music. Yawa Radio is about well-being, happiness, and finding the beauty within. Enjoy. Be beautiful. Be happy. Be inspired. This is Yawa Radio.